Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 188 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. It is a nice early Sunday morning, and I am here with uh, my good friend Ray, and we are really excited to be talking about WandaVision today. How you doing, Ray? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Looks looks like uh, this is officially, you know, turned into a WandaVision podcast for these last few episodes of the show, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then we get, it's funny because I guess the, the week after next, they're doing like a making of special that they'll release, and then they're going right into Falcon and the Winter Soldier the week after that. So it's like... I feel like we're going to end up being all Marvel all the time for a while. <laughs> Which is how, like, Marvel wants it, right? Yeah. Did you yeah. see – have you seen some of the, like, calendars that people are putting out? Like, the little graphics they're making of, like, the release schedule for Marvel? No. It's insane. It's like a new Marvel thing. Like, first of all, it's like new Marvel content almost every week. I'll take it. <laughs> until the movies start dropping, and then it's almost a new movie almost every month till the end of the year. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, it's so nice. After a year of nothing, over a year of nothing. Right. right. Um, it's just so nice to get back into it because, I mean, at this point, I think we can all agree that <laughs> Marvel, the MCU is a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing that's going to be around for a while. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. God, I mean, talk Star Wars really fumbled the bag, didn't they? Oh yeah. Oh, well, I mean, now that's I. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that it was not it was not anybody in Star Wars's fault other than the fans. Right. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm putting it fully on the fans on that one because when I remember how excited we were after I don't remember what they called it, but not the Force Awakens, the the second one. Oh yeah, the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. I've. After The Last Jedi came out, you and I were on here and we were like, oh my God, they're going to be going in so many new different directions and this was yeah. great. And and this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that for sure. I, st- I still feel like I think Star Wars in their zeal to give the fans what they want, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, we can, we could talk about how Marvel has managed to avoid that trap because they are giving the fans what we want, but mm-hmm. right. But right. like, I don't know, like <laughs> the good, the good version of that, I guess. Well, I think what they're doing is they're creating good stories that give us because the stories are so good. And I think they're really focusing on story first or at least looking at how putting those fan service things in will service the story. It also leaves them all this room. So, I mean, how many videos have you watched this week about Easter eggs in one episode of WandaVision? Right. Like every, like they, they can put all these little Easter eggs in because yep. they've got, they've got a great story going. Yeah. It's a thing. I mean, it's definitely taking hold of, you know, at least a good chunk of the uh, like consuming audience. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm at, and, and and one of the things that came up in a recent conversation. Well, I mean, literally, like every week, as soon as you know, by Friday afternoon, we're like, okay, is everyone watched? 
Like, can we, my, friend, my, my chat group and I are like, okay, is everyone caught up? Can we talk now? Can we discuss? Like, let's go. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. And one of the things that came up was, you know, the story, they're doing so well with the characters that it's, it's like fans are coming up with all these really outlandish theories, which is a lot of fun. But we know that not all these things can come true. And sometimes none of them come true. But that's okay because mm-hmm. we care so much about the characters and the story is so good anyway, right? Right, right. Now, if they give us something worse than what we were expecting, uh, looking at you, Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> then, you know, it's like, oh, come on. Like, we came up with way better things. So, yeah, they just, they man, they, this is way more than what I expected from this show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because we were talking about, you know, fan service and all that kind of stuff. I, I watched the, the interview with uh, Tiona Paris that you sent me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she said is, you know, she's manifesting the fact that she wants to be in a Marvel uh, cinematic universe movie or property. And that she, she took the time she broke out of her sentence and she said, I was very specific about a Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe movie. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, like that's yeah. for a non-comic person. Like that's, you can't say that she has, because she talks about like uh, Monica Rambeau is her first exposure to comic books. Right. You cannot tell me that somebody who is a non-comic book fan can look at the DC universe movies and go, yeah, I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Yeah. And, and you know, you can't claim um, company bias on that one. You can't say, well, she's a Marvel. No, (laughs) they're bad movies. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's so crazy. I think she even said she had like a vision board and she, Mm -hmm. you know, she put on there that someday she wanted to be in the MCU which is nuts. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, w- I want to spend a little bit of time when we get into the bulk of, of um, our WandaVision conversation, even though episode eight didn't have any Monica Rambeau in it. I I've got, I've got things, I've got thoughts and feelings. <laughs> okay. Well, um, what, what, what else have you been up to this week besides, you know, WandaVision mania? Uh, I am already, I'm already three movies behind my uh, Marvel cinematic university watch. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> that was fast. Um, I'm going to have to catch up real quick. I mean, it's, it's not a big <laughs> deal. I just haven't had time. Um, mm. I've been doing so much other stuff. but uh, So I did watch uh, First Avenger, and that made me happy. Um, it's it's such a good movie. I mean, it's, it's simple compared to some of the other Marvel films out there, but like just knowing how everything's going to evolve, it just makes mm. you look at it in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then I know you were not a big video game person ever, but did you ever play a game called Maniac Mansion back in the day? No, no. I played it on Nintendo, but I think it was on some computer systems as well. And if anybody out there knows Maniac Mansion, please hit me up on social media this week because uh, talk about nostalgia. Like it was not, it's not good graphics. Um, the the game is a game where you can completely not win. Like you can screw yourself over from the moment you pick characters and not be able to pass the game. But it's one of those old like puzzle solving games like King Quest or 
um, Secret of Monkey Island, where you're kind of going through and you have to find it's like a it's like a escape room kind of thing. You have to find the key on this screen that's going to open the door in that screen, and then do something with this object that's going to affect that object later. And so it's just kind of a puzzle of trying to figure out what order you have to do things in to, to solve the, the case. And in this case, the, the original was to rescue uh, your girlfriend from the evil scientist. And I have to admit, it was way too uh, clunky, and I had forgotten that you could kind of totally ruin the game if you made the wrong decision or spent, <laughs> you know, used, a, used an object inappropriately. So I went and found that there was a remake that I had never played, um, it was like a sequel called Maniac Mansion Day of the Tentacle. Better graphics, stupid story. It, it was just <laughs> awesome. Like, really? With such a yes. title? Huh? <laughs> but, but I mean, like, okay, so so they take one character from the original and they um, he has two friends. One gets zipped into the, the past and is stuck in the past. One gets zipped into the future and is stuck in the future. And you can communicate with each other by um, – <laughs> the 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 time machines are are chrono johns so basically they're porta potties that travel through time and, <laughs> and you can pass objects back and forth to each other by flushing them down the chrono john and what? Yes, this is a this is a game this is a game and but it's great because you're going through and they have these little like voice, like really good voice actors and really fun little story bits and really, it's just silly and stupid fun. Um, and the, the pu- puzzles get challenging because you're like, I, I know I need to do a thing with this, but I don't know what that thing is. And because you've got three different time zones that you're working in past, present, future, it's like, okay, does this object go back into the future? Like, what do I do with? So we were really figuring it out and it, it, it has been fun. I have not passed it yet, but I did plug away for a couple hours at it, and it is just delightful in all the wrong reasons. Oh my god! This this says that this uh, game was developed and published by Lucas Arts. Yes, yes, in nineteen ninety three. There's little there's little Star Wars uh, Easter eggs all over the place. Oh god! Like and- every every <laughs> calendar is is like a Star Wars calendar. You know, they've got like Darth Vader. They've got, it's, it's hilarious. Wow. Inspirations included Chuck Jones cartoons and the history of the United States. <laughs> yes. Cause the guy who's in the past is in, um, is in the, the revolutionary war era. And so you're like, you're talking to, to, um, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and trying to solve puzzles so that you can like power up your, chrono john and send yourself back into the present i love that the villain is a disembodied uh purple tent e- evil sentient disembodied purple tentacle <laughs> yes it is funny because all of those adjectives are important because there are there are um green tentacles that tend to be the good tentacles what the oh yeah oh yeah it's hilarious it's That's hilarious. And then it, the future, the tentacles have taken over the world and, and they keep humans as pets. So right now I'm trying to figure out how to enter the character in like a human, <laughs> a human pet contest. How, how did this game make it onto your uh, itinerary this week? <laughs> I, you know what? I, <laughs> this, this is going to disturb everybody because this is the way my brain works. So, um, 
I am running out of things for my kids to do in stagecraft. And so this week I decided I'm going to have them make their own escape rooms. And so I may have, I may have mentioned this this week I don't, or last week. I don't remember, but so they're designing their own escape rooms. And I was like, man, I really like escape rooms. I, w- I, I am looking forward to being able to do another escape room when uh, the, the quarantine's over. And I was like, well, I know that there's video games that are like escape rooms. And so I just started searching. And then in my search, I came across Maniac Mansion, which I had played as a kid. And I'm like, no, this is not actually a thing. And so that's how I ended up getting this onto my computer this week. (laughs) That's great. All the lives of teachers. Um, and then the last thing is not geeky at all, but um, I think it was my friend Kelly Hightower that recommended Ted Lasso. Have you heard of this this show? No. It is a 30-minute, um, I guess you could call it a sitcom. It's a lot more like Office or Modern Family where there's no laugh track or anything. But it's uh, a Kansas City minor league football coach who gets a job as a soccer coach in the UK. Oh, I have heard of this show or I've seen like promos for it on, it, on, yeah. On Apple TV or Apple plus, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but it's that dude. Oh, I can't remember his name, the comedian. I, the, I know the comedian, the actor he's, he's been in a few movies. Oh yeah. He's been on a lot of stuff. Um, I'll look it up real quick, but it Ray, I, I went into this and, and Kelly knows me. So I, I usually take uh, John Sudeikis. Yes. Jason. Jason Sudeikis. I'm sorry. Jason, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. And um, so so Kelly knows me and she's like, you're not going to want to watch it after the first episode. She's like, give it, <laughs> she's like, this is not a give it the first season. She's like, give it the second episode. She says, just stick with it. She's like, you know, tell Matt there's hot guys in it. It'll be fine. <laughs> And Ray, I'm going to say something that's going to make you go, ew, I don't want to watch that, but it's so much better than this. Um, His positivity is so contagious (laughs) that you just feel good after watching an episode. Like it's not saccharine, but he just like he's, he's super positive. He doesn't really get upset, but he makes everybody around him feel better. And you just, by watching it, you just feel good. Okay. Question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to spoil a little bit of the first episode for me with this question. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we, do we, are we shown why he uh, is out of the NFL and has to take a, 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 a coaching gig as, as a soccer coach in the UK? Yes, I'm going to – okay, there's two reasons, and I'm going to um, – so spoilers if you want to jump ahead five minutes. It's not that big of a spoiler, but yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you find out that um, on his personal side, he's having trouble with his wife, and they've decided to take a little bit of a break. Like he's he's just so much for her because he's so all positive all the time <laughs> that – that they need they need to take a break. And okay. so that's why he's allowing himself to take this job. But okay. the reason why he is being offered this job is that the owner of the team's wife um, 
it's actually the guy who plays Giles is the husband. He's the owner of the team Mm -hmm. and he's a philanderer. And she finally was like, I'm having none of it and I'm divorcing you and I'm taking the team in my settlement. Like she gave up everything else and just took the team. Just because because he gives money away to good causes. Just kidding. I know a philanderer is. (laughs) <laughs> i was like did i accidentally use the wrong word <laughs> i panicked because i know that's a thing i do um yeah no so she because because he was you know sleeping around all the time she was like the one thing in this world he likes is his team like it's the thing that means the most to him so i'm gonna pretend to just make these changes that i know are going to be good for the the club but my goal is to tank the club and let him watch this slow burn. So of course, with that set setup, you know everything that he does is going to be successful and completely foil what she's trying to accomplish. Got it. So he is he framed as a good football coach? Um he he's framed as a like the reason why she found him is that he did this there's this this viral video of him doing this ridiculous dance in the locker room and all of his um his players are like around and dancing with him and like he's just like people weren't taking him seriously because the the fool's doing an internet dance on the like you know it's just ridiculousness so that's That's, why she picked him that's hilarious because that video does exist of an actual football coach making a dance like that that's, that's probably what the inspiration was but but what you kind of realize is like the the players aren't making fun of him in that video right like right. they were in, they were into it and and already like we're on episode i think eight that's it's really cool this sounds like something i definitely want to check out it, it sounds like they they definitely understand sports culture mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily making fun of it you know what i mean like it's it's funny but they're not like it doesn't sound like they're lampooning this guy no, not at uh, all. And and he like he's probably like I want to be his friend. <laughs> he right. is just a nice guy. And she is not like they're not playing up stereotypes. Like, right. right. Just because well, like you can see that she, yes, she's doing this bad thing, but it's cuz she's really hurt. Like she's right. really uh, not a bad person. It's just this is the only way she knows how to 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 deal with her emotions. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up watching sports and um, I, you know, w- as as problematic as sports culture can be, uh, I think that's something a lot of people miss about it is how insanely driven and and positive professional athletes have to be in order mm-hmm. to succeed at the level that they do. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. it's like, I have a tremendous amount of respect for professional athletes because the, the shit they're doing, man, like, and, and you know, that whole, like, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of framed as like a new AG kind of concept of like, if you just tell yourself like positive reinforcement, like if you just, you know what, I think like Oprah call it the, the, the secret or some shit where it's like mm-hmm. literally just like envision your own success and it will happen. If you watch like uh, um, sports, I don't want to, they're not documentaries, but it's like, you know, nowadays with the technology we have, I mean, you you can literally watch documentaries where uh, athletes are mic'd up and like they have cameras on throughout the entire game. So it's like, it puts you there on the field and on the side of the field during these game situations. And Mm -hmm. the way 
these people like psych themselves up. It's it's like nonstop positive reinforcement, like extreme positive reinforcement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the entire time. And it's kind of inspiring to watch these things where you're like, oh my God, like their their mindsets are like crazy confident. They have to be. You right. Know? Yeah. So so for so right when you describe this guy as like just like a feel good, like there's literally coaches like this on the sidelines that you can hear and overhear in during these documentaries. So it sounds like they're like playing this like really true to like what you would find, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things I hate is that we've all seen all the tropes. Like I don't need to see tropey things anymore. <laughs> right. Right. And so they've got the trope of the hot shot. Like it's very, um, oh, what was the old um, Charlie Sheen um, <laughs> where he's the baseball player? Yeah. 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 Major league. Major League. Um, it's got all those tropes. So it's got the hotshot um, kid who's always fighting with the old veteran on the team. <laughs> and he's got a beautiful, like, social influencer girlfriend. And as soon as you see her, like, we're so used to seeing that character being the ditzy, dumb, vapid character. Right. And she's probably, next next to Coach Lasso, she's my favorite character on the show because she's not, she doesn't put up with it. And, like, she's just a very positive, like, everybody on this team is either positive or somebody that they're trying to make positive. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what we it's what we needed for the last four years and didn't get till now. <laughs> like, this is a movie. This is a TV show that would have made me very happy, even more happy, a couple years ago. Damn it, Apple TV! <laughs> it looks like looks like you got me. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I want to check this out for sure. That's cool. Yeah. So so that's where so that's where I'm at. What about you? What have you been working on? Um. So. I have been looking at one. I've been playing very, paying very close attention to the news uh, that broke this week about Warner Brothers and DC Films' uh, in, intent to introduce a black Superman. Um, it's something that is being produced by J.J. Abrams. Alarms, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and. Um, they're obviously, you know, talk is already heavy about Michael B. Jordan possibly uh, taking on this role. So that sounds interesting to me. I saw something and I didn't have time to verify it, so I didn't send it to you. Mm-hmm. But I heard that um, I'm going to get his name wrong. Anahasi um, Coates. Yes, that he yes. was doing that he was doing a relaunch of. Is that part of the same project? Yep, him and J.J. Abrams are teaming up. Okay. Yeah, he's writing it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm down for anything he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. Um. So it's really in, it's been really interesting to kind of track the response on social media. There's a lot more excitement for this than I would have thought. I thought there would be like a huge backlash right away mm-hmm. because you know that's how a lot of toxic fandom tends to be out there nowadays. Right. Um. But no, people are actually excited to see, you know, where the possibilities and where this could go and and seem to be pretty open to it. Um, That's awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully that speaks to kind of like the, the, the love that fans have for these characters, especially Superman, but it also could just be people just tired of what DC has done so far. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to a point where they're like, yes, fine. Give us anything else, something different. Um, even though, you know, I've actually really liked, um, what's the actors, the current Superman actor, um, Henry Cavill. I've actually really Mm -hmm. liked his, his take on the character given, you know, Given what he's been given to work with, anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and you found a you found a a wonderful little tweet last night about uh, people trying to uh, cast him in other Marvel roles. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you jumped on that so fast. I was so happy. <laughs> Heck yeah! I, I I linked to our podcast immediately. I'm like, hey, we've got a whole podcast where we recast the DC actors in Marvel roles. So hopefully that gets, uh, you know, some people uh, introduced to our show that other, that weren't previously, but um, yeah. So what's interesting about this is that this news is breaking kind of in the wake of, you know, everything about Ray Fisher coming out and how, and what he experienced on the set of justice league when, um, uh, Joss Whedon was, was working on it to finish up that film. Um, and so I don't know, it's just, it's really interesting to watch DC and Warner brothers sort of, uh, make moves in, in this whole climate that they have going on. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Tanahasi Coates, as you said, I you know I agree. I'll, I'll watch anything he works on. J.J. Um, Abrams is an interesting choice because he was tapped to develop a Superman movie uh, after the the um, after the Nicolas Cage Tim uh, what's his name Tim Burton thing fell apart, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. J.J. Abrams was asked to develop something and he radically changed. His plan was to radically change Superman's origin and story and everything. And that didn't end up happening, obviously. But when that script leaked, I remember people lost their fucking shit. They were like, what? No, like (laughs) we don't (laughs) want any of this. Um, And so for him to, for his name to be back in the mix, Especially considering that I don't know how positively his Star Wars recent Star Wars book was work was you know received by fans, right? Um, so it's just interesting to see like they keep going to the same people, and I don't know, man. Like I, I, I just I'm fascinated by all of this. So I've I've been paying close attention to this, and I'm going to keep doing that. So you can expect more and more links from me. I'll just be sending you throughout the oh, week. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm down for it. It's it's for me. It's just kind of crazy that <laughs> how have they not gotten it right yet? Like yeah. like there's I feel like there's a linchpin in there somewhere that once pulled will fix this. Yeah, like there's yeah. somebody there who's just not letting go of things. Right, right. Uh, I agree, and I, I think that kind of speaks to the mindset of. Um, per, per just like film execs, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I, that's just what it seems like. They just maybe slower moving. I think, I think a lot of the industry just relies and, and probably has for a while now just relies on the numbers mm-hmm. and what, you know, the numbers are saying is going to be successful versus really doing the work to understand and develop a strong story. Yeah. Um, so 
I also want to mention before I move on to the next thing I've been doing this week that, you know, Michael B. Jordan as, as a choice is not necessarily popular with everyone and not necessarily popular with the community you might think, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 would be, would be into this. So, um, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I retweet a bunch of this stuff so you can read it for yourself. The other thing that I've been doing this week, as I've been talking about on this podcast for a while now, I'm getting ready to rewatch the MCU Mm -hmm. with Rosie. And, uh, I'm waiting until, Zack Snyder's Justice League drops so that we can sort of wrap that up and get that out of the way because we've watched most of the DCEU films. I don't want to jump into Marvel and then, you know, stop those movies in order to watch the Zack Snyder stuff and then go back into more. So I'm just like, you know what? Okay. We'll finish up after Justice League comes out. We can tie a bow on that and, you know, toss it overboard <laughs> and then dive into the MCU starting with. Captain America, the first Avenger. Well, in, in I'm just getting so impatient to jump into the Marvel <laughs> stuff, especially with all the WandaVision stuff going on. So right. what I did was, because we watch movies all the time. We, we're constantly consuming films at this point. Every day we watch at least one movie, sometimes two, a couple times three movies in a day. So I'm just like, oh man, I really want to jump into the MCU. So what I did instead, Joe, while I'm I'm waiting uh, for this arbitrary thing that I've decided that I that I've placed on myself, um, is I put together a list of movies that have influenced the MCU. Okay. So I'm, I'm calling it my pre MCU movie watch list. Okay. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies on the list right now. And we just watched uh, Casino Royale, the the, the Bond remake, uh, mm-hmm. the other night. So that's the first movie that's on my pre-MCU list. And honestly, now that I'm like saying Casino Royale, I don't remember how that – I think it was maybe – the tone of Iron Man, I think people were saying that they, they looked at John Favreau looked at Casino Royale a lot for the, for the tone of mm-hmm. the first Iron Man movie. So we watched Casino Royale. The other movies on my list are three days of the Condor, which okay. influenced or, you know, uh, uh, had a part in shaping the, the tone and story of um, winter soldier Raiders of the lost Ark. Which definitely, you know, influenced uh, the first Captain America movie. Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Um, especially given the the scenes of Loki locked up in the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Usual Suspects. Okay. Uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible. Which one? Just the original? Yeah, the original, yeah. I, I like all the Mission Impossible movies, to be honest with you, except for maybe the second one. But yeah, yeah. Um, the first one makes me yeah. so angry. <laughs> I think we've talked about this because they get rid of the team when it's supposed to be a team story. It's all about a stupid team. Like It's, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a solo, solo vehicle. It's not a solo vehicle. 
All right, we're gonna step away from that. <laughs> Back, I'm backing away. I'm backing away. I'm sorry. Uh, Inception. Okay, that's vis- that very um, Doctor Strange, right? Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, which one? I haven't decided yet, man. Ooh. Because because here's the thing, right? Is the first the black and white one is a classic. Mm-hmm. But the Kenneth Branagh one more like closely follows the original story. Oh, but the Kenneth Branagh one's so bad. It's so bad. I know. It's so bad. Like, but, like it falls into the category of so bad it's good. Like, it really is a hilarious film. Okay, well, then maybe we'll, it'll be a cocktail night at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Flaming Ball of Elizabeth. And then the last one on my list is Back to the Future. Yes. So, those, those that's my pre-MCU movie list. I love it. I love it. Anyone listening, if you have any suggestions, if there's anything that I missed that just jumps out at you, if you're screaming at the podcast right now going, how, what, how is this movie not on this list? Please let us know. Tag me on Twitter, jump into the Slack, whatever. Please let, let me know if I'm missing anything. That's awesome. I love that. I love that idea. And I, I, sometimes I wish, I wish that I could do that with Matt. And like, I'm just not good at making those connections, but I, I could definitely see him liking things. If I kind of went, well, we're going to watch this thing that I know you're going to like, and then I can kind of relate this to you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, um, I don't want to say I'm really good at this. I'm, I would say I love doing this. <laughs> I love <laughs> doing this kind of thing where I feel like in order to get the most out of some movie watching experiences or, or even just story experiences, it, it works best some for some stories if you're primed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Especially where we're at now where everything is so meta. Right. Like, well, and I, I mean, when I would teach Frankenstein, like you have to, you have to start with Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner because there's so many allusions to it in the book that it's one of those things where you just don't understand right. the book if you're not aware of the other work. And back then, everybody would have been aware of the other work. I mean, you can certainly watch Avengers Endgame and enjoy the hell out of it. But if you've seen Back to the Future, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, makes, it makes so many scenes in that movie so much more enjoyable. Right. I remember um, years ago, uh, I had a partner who didn't really have any exposure to comic books, but she really wanted, she saw how much enjoyment, she's an avid reader. She just had never read comics mm-hmm. and she saw how much I enjoyed them and she wanted to get in. And she And her approach was, what is the single best comic book story you've ever read? That is oh, the book wow. that I want to read. And I said, it's Watchmen. So she said, okay, I want to read Watchmen. Let me hear Watchmen. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, what? And I said, well, of course, obviously, if you want to read it, you can go ahead and read it. There's nothing I could do to stop you. But in my opinion, your read, your first read of Watchmen is going to be so much more enjoyable if you're willing to read these other things first. And she was, obviously it was not, you know, I wasn't putting down sort of an ultimatum, but she was into it. She she was absolutely, she said, please give me this list. I want to, you know, I, I want to get the most out of it. So, um, 
Oh gosh, I can see if I can remember off the top of my head. I had her. I mean, we all know we know Watchmen, right? So yeah, yeah. Right away, thinking like God, you know, you can read Watchmen and enjoy it, but if you don't know the archetypes that Alan Moore was playing with and deconstructing, not just the character archetypes, the story archetypes, right? You know, then then how do you uh, you just you just are not going to get it on all the levels that it's working at? Yeah. Well, gosh, I think I gave her Superman for all seasons. I gave her Batman Year One, and then Bat, and then The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a bunch of stuff. There was a bunch of stuff, that, <laughs> and and yeah. So that's you know, I just I like doing this kind of thing, uh, and I also I really 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 appreciate it when somebody uh, takes the time to to do this for me. You know, yeah. when if yeah. it's something that I'm not really that knowledgeable of and and i want to have an enjoyable experience um yeah it's just i think it's so cool when i can be informed because otherwise i'm gonna have a ton of questions that's just how my brain works Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so or if after the fact i realized that there was something that was at play that i wasn't registering i'm gonna go oh man (laughs) I, i wish i knew that then you know so anyway that's that's where my geek brain has been at hard at work this week I love it. I absolutely love it. Speaking of of getting significant others to like the stuff you like, we are about I don't know four or five episodes into rewatching Buffy season two. Oh. I, I I got him, Ray. Really, <laughs> he is enjoying it. I mean, it's not like he's it's something that he's like I can't wait to watch the next episode. But I was like, you had fun tonight, didn't you? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I really I'm <laughs> starting to really like it. it's very. He likes the cleverness in the writing. Okay, that's cool. Then we have to talk about when we're go- when we're going to schedule our review of season one. Yeah, well, we can do it in. Um, we'll talk about that off 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 air. Yeah. But yeah, I think we had said sometime in like March ish. And I guess that's tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I, forgot I forgot March is tomorrow. Yeah, I forgot that February has like the fewest days. <laughs> yeah, it, it went fast. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll get that we'll get that on the schedule. Cool, but awesome. We got we got a lot of geeky stuff done this week. It's awesome. All right, well, we're gonna come back. We've been chomping at the bit to talk about you don't you don't know how hard Saturdays are for Ray and I <laughs> because we just we 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 have made this this unspoken rule that we just won't talk to each other about it. We will send send each other links because we want it to be on the same page when we're reviewing it and everything, but. We won't talk about it. Like we won't even go like the most is like the exchange of, Oh my gods. And that's about it. <laughs> yep, yep. it uh, last night was a test. Yes. I, last night was a test. So I really <laughs> wanted to jump into the conversation with you. And I, just, I, I had to put my phone down. Well, we will, we will, we will start with that. Let's go to break. And then we will, we will start with my, my, my very mean text to you. <laughs> All right, be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Pew! 
movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. Okay, so... (laughs) Last night, realizing that, first of all, spoilers, like just all the spoilers, yeah. every spoiler ever, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the really mean text that I sent to Ray last night was, he's like, we, we can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. And I responded, all right, I will leave you with two, two things. <laughs> One, did you ever think that when we get this deep of a dive with white vision? Right. And two- Nobody can make fun of West Ven- West Coast Avengers anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I had to agree. I had to give it to you. Because <laughs> they are pulling hard from West Coast Avengers. You And for years, you've said, hey, man, I know people like to rag on West Coast Avengers, but it, I was into it. It was great. You, if, you, if, you, if you knew, if you know, you know. And if you don't know, oh well. For years, you have been a West mm-hmm. Coast Avengers stan, and well, uh, yeah. For one of those, one of those reasons is because, like, we've seen it in so many other properties where, when you get clout in one property, you can spin off and do more experimental things in other properties. Right. And so it was a lot more weirdness in uh, West Coast Avengers, but they were telling stories that were. That they would have never been able to tell in like Spider-Man or in right. Wolverine because those were too big and they don't want to risk those properties. So bookmark that because as we go through the episode, I, I want to come back and ask you what the deal is with White Vision. Okay. okay. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your, besides holy shit, <laughs> what was your uh, take or what was your reaction to episode eight? I was not thrilled that it was going to be a like flashback episode. I knew right away, right? I, when I saw the title, I said, "Oh, now we're finally getting Wanda's perspective." Yeah, we're well. Now we're not only we're we getting Wanda's perspective, but we're getting pretty much everything in her backstory that we've kind of known, but not really. But we we were going to get to see it though. You knew that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so for. I, I love the fact that she had powers before. I love how we are in the. I figured we were going to be in a Marvel Cinematic Universe when she was first introduced, where it was exactly what um, uh, what Maria Hill said. You know, he's fast, she's weird. Mm. And that they were always going to keep her powers very up in the air. We don't really understand. Kind of like magnetism in the Marvel Universe. It can kind of do whatever we want it to do in this in this particular episode. And for them to go, no, we're, we're using terms like chaos magic. Mm-hmm. We're using the idea of hexing. We're using the idea of probability manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, they, they are really 
they they are trusting the audience enough to say we are going to be specific with these powers and it's we we trust you're going to make sense of it yeah and i was very impressed by that yeah well they're doing a really good job of of presenting the comic book logic behind these ideas right mhm mhm and it's really opening up so many possibilities for the MCU. <laughs> so there, there are there are connections everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, which is pretty true to the comics. I have to say. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, we've said this a couple times before. They have legitimately turned film into a comic book medium. Yeah. So it is. We are experienced like everyday people who have never picked up a comic book and are only watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe properties are having the exact same conversations that you and I had Mm -hmm. when we were in comic book stores as kids. Yep. It's so crazy that it's happening everywhere now. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'm kind of with you. Once I realized that we were going to be getting Wanda's story and actually seeing it, I thought, okay, that's going to be cool. But the shitty part of that was, oh, they're not advancing the story any in this episode. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. going to end with being brought back up to where we left off last episode. Right. And more or less it did. I mean, still with Agatha out in the street now, you know, holding the kids hostage. But we, at the end of last episode, we were in the dungeon. Agatha said, it was me. I have your kids. And that's pretty much where we are now. Uh, so yeah, I was like, oh man, okay, you know, fine, let's, let's get it. And we got to see really all the, the brutal trauma that Wanda has experienced throughout her life. And, but with some, some more information, uh, I loved that they sort of confirmed that she had powers before being exposed to the, uh, infinity stone. Yeah. So, so we are now confirming that mutants exist. Mm. I don't know about that. I said she had powers. I wouldn't say she has mutant powers. Well, the, a lot of what I've heard is that they are are saying that the witches are mutants. There's, there's well, that that yes, in a in a way for you to be born with these powers is there's a there's a mutant gene going on somewhere. Um, you're not being they're not being bestowed on you like Captain America. They're being awakened in you in another way. Uh, so would you say that the, the nine witches that were burning Agatha at the stake were all mutants? No, because that's, that's the difference between Agatha and, um, well, I don't want to say Agatha. I want to say most witches and Wanda is that they had to study for years to learn the magic Mm -hmm. where for her, the magic magic is an extension of her already existing powers. I see. So I, I I'm just reading Wanda as just a super powerful witch. Yeah, no. And, and what I think is being put forth is that she had, she was born with something extra and that was awakened by the infinity stone or enhanced by the infinity stone, but it was always there. Whereas and, and I think maybe that's what's going on with Agatha as well, because they're like, well, you you delved into magic that was above your your age and station. Yeah. 
And and she's like, no, it just kind of bent to me. Your rules bent to me, mm-hmm. which kind of suggests to me that she's not like Wanda where she's powerful and can just do it automatically, but she may be somehow naturally gifted with this ability to use magic. I would say maybe Agatha is also a Nexus being, but it seems like they're trying to position Agatha as wanting Wanda's power. So, and that, that might be the Nexus thing. So if Agatha is all, all already also a Nexus being, then that wouldn't make sense for her to, she wants something from Wanda. Right. And it seems like what she wants is the ability to bring life back. Yeah, because when she said you can do that, it really, it really, she broke, she broke character a little. Well, I don't like the idea that Wanda's a mutant. Although, I, you know, I'm, sh- I, I know that that makes sense based on the comics. Uh, it certainly would explain why uh, Pietro also. Well, no, I mean his powers could come directly from his exposure to the Infinity Stone. Uh, but yeah, but- I, I was thinking that it could be either. Yes. He's a mutant too, or somehow Wanda Wanda's powers protected. Him. That's what I thought they were going to show when they show her mm-hmm. exposed to the mind stone and they say everyone else has, no one else has survived. I thought, well, she didn't just survive. Pietro did as well. So she's probably protected him, but they didn't show that. So who knows? Um, yeah, I know that based on the comic book stories, uh, the demon Chathon is who gives Wanda her powers. Yes. And the demon Chathon is also an elder god and the god of chaos, hence chaos magic. Mm-hmm. And so the mages of Earth got together and banished Chathon because they felt that chaos magic was too powerful to exist. So they banished Chathon. And then after that, they sort of denied his existence ever, ever being a thing, which is mm-hmm. why Agatha is like, wait, that, that you're the mythical Scarlet Witch. Like that's not supposed to exist. Right. But, but, mm-hmm. but in the comics, Chathon touches Wanda before he's banished. And that's why she's able to use a fraction of his chaos magic. Um, I'm hoping they go there. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many possibilities for the finale still. But what I like about that story from the comics is that it sets up, I think, Chathon to be the villain in Doctor Strange 2. Yes. Because he's that kind of like cosmic level threat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it explains why Wanda is making an appearance in Doctor Strange. It explains why Doctor Strange has to get involved in WandaVision and say, oh, this requires my attention. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's why I like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I can see it going both ways. I'm perfectly fine if it's not mutants yet. I think I've been very clear that I'm happy for them to do mutants when they're ready to do mutants. Well, yeah, here's another thing, um, Joe, or go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say, but I, I did love the fact that, you know, they did pay tribute to her, you know, probability manipulation, mm-hmm. her ability to like, they made it all make sense because I mean, honestly, I don't know about you, but when I first read about the Scarlet Witch's powers and how it, you know, how she worked and everything mm-hmm. way back in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. I'm like, what a weird, cool power. Whoever <laughs> w- it's, it's kind of on the level of domino in long Deadpool. shot, long shot too. 
Yeah. I, I love, I love how it's like, how does, how does Domino's power work cinematically? Oh, that's really cool shit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's that kind of same aha moment of oh wow her her powers can just kind of do whatever yeah but it's all about manipulating the probability of something happening it's like a big dice roll right right yeah and and they you're right they kind of wove it into the story so seamlessly for Wanda like yeah. what what were, yeah. what are the chances that that Stark bomb wouldn't go off yeah and that's and that's what kind of what uh, Agatha's point was. It's like, yeah, it was like you basically made the uh, the the slim probability that it wouldn't go off yeah. happen. Here here's another thought I had at the end of episode 8. The mutant theory's cool, Chathon theory I really like. Who's going to be the big bad that shows up in episode 9? Here's a here's a really strong feeling that I had at the end of episode 8, Joe. Mm-hmm. Why do we need another big bad male villain? Why, like, why can't this story just be Agatha versus Wanda with uh, Spectrum or Photon coming in to to you know save the day or or to affect whatever? I just like. I know we've gotten hints that Agatha wants something from Wanda. I I'm willing to I'm I'm ready to accept the reveal that there is no reveal that it's just that yeah Agatha may want something for personal reasons that are not necessarily evil like she lost someone and she wants to bring up something like that. But at this point, do we really need somebody influencing or controlling Agatha? Like, why can't it be? Why can't this story come down to these two very powerful women that have total agency and and neither of them is really being puppeted by anyone? I think you're going to get both. I think you're going to get that her power comes from an extra dimensional being because they're kind of establishing that that's that all the all the magic users in the MCU are pulling their powers from other dimensions like that seems to be the way they're going i mean other dimension other dimensional energy not specific people well usually like if if you go back to doctor strange in the comics like the spells that he casts are usually calling on the powers of some extra dimensional de- deity like the 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 crimson, um, crimson cords of Sidorak or something like that. Like he's specifically calling on that demon to create the things that you know. The, the it's the same demon that gives Joggernaut his powers. Gives these like red lashes that circle people, Got tie it. them down. Got it. So it's not. Um, so it's not like when Doctor Strange casts a spell and uses power. It's not like uh, I don't know, Cyclops or Thor in another reality all of a sudden can't use their power. Right, right. It's it's like, um, yeah, he's not specific. Like, it's not necessarily that the being is controlling them. It's that they are calling upon. It's like praying to God and expecting God to do something. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and, and so um, 
which is a very, <laughs> it's a very like that. This concept would have not flown in the eighties. <laughs> this is this would have not gone well back in the eighties. Um, although that's when the comics were coming out, so it's kind of amazing that that that's how it worked. But um, but yeah, so I think I think what we're gonna find out is yes, she pulls her powers from a specific entity who may influence and have a stake in what she does but i think agatha is just doing agatha stuff yeah i think she she even said she she felt like she doesn't know how any magic user could not have felt the hex go up it was such a big magical event yeah and and somebody said well why isn't dr strange there yet and i think it's just because he's still like this is like three weeks after endgame so He's got some cleaning up to do. I'm sure. What if? What if? Uh, what if Doctor Strange is the rabbit? Oh my god, that would be brilliant! <laughs> How funny would that be? Like, like a, a stray chaos blast hits him. Yes, and he becomes he comes Doctor Strange. Agatha's had him stuck all along. Yes, that's brilliant. I love it. So I Print it. I did make that happen. <laughs> I did some extra research this week because last week you and I ended up watching this, the same videos. So this week I kind of did a deeper dive and, and try to watch videos that I normally wouldn't just to see if there was any cool, fun theories out there. And that, that was one of them. Where's Dr. Strange? Why hasn't Dr. Strange shown up yet? This hex, you know, these powers, this, all this magic going off and it's, you know, other, other magical beings are sensing it. What if he did show up and, and, you know, I get this so powerful or whatever, maybe by luck or whatever. He's been the rabbit this whole time. I, I Although I don't see, I don't see uh Dr. Strange eating a cicada. So <laughs> that would be my one evidence is I don't know that it's him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's some other fun theories that I have to share. Uh, any, wh- wh- where do you want to go from here? Um. Well, I guess like, is the, <sighs> For me, going into this, I did not like the idea that we were going back into Wanda's past, but more because of what you said, that that we're not going to get anything new. It's just going to be catching us up. Mm-hmm. But the story of her life and how they're putting it, how they're putting it in perspective for us, I think is so heartbreaking and so well thought out. And so and and the moment that I re-fell in love with both Wanda's character and Elizabeth Olsen's um, portrayal of her is the whole like reveal of her going into sword. Yeah. Because I'm like, see, she's not a bad person. She didn't like go off the the deep end and, um, and steal the vision. Right. You know, and really, what was that? Hayward is a bad person. Yes, Hayward is a horrible person. <laughs> and and the fact that she went in there and and just coincidentally he was able to make it look like she was the one who who made this all happen. She she drives away, Ray. I, yeah. I still think she drives away and to me that's just like it makes her more human. Like, when have we ever seen well people drive cars in the Marvel universe? I do think that she still does some morally repugnant things. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's a reckoning coming for her in the last episode. 
Yes. And that's, you know, I, I think it's going to be deser- well-deserved at that point. But I can, yeah, I, I almost texted you immediately after I watched the episode saying, okay, I get it. Wanda's the best character. Like, I get it. I get your love for her all these mm-hmm. years. Uh, but that's not to say that she's without fault. You know, she is a good person, but she, she, you know, in taking over, in possessing all these people, <laughs> like, taking away all their agencies, she's done some really bad things, uh, you know, as, as a result of her. And her grief doesn't excuse it. So I No, but I really hope that they handle it and use it as an opportunity to kind of shine a light on mental illness. Because that's what I feel like we're looking at. I don't feel like we're looking at somebody who's willfully causing pain to others. I feel like we've got somebody who has had an emotional break because of trauma. And because she is so powerful, it's causing bad things to happen. But I don't, I don't, I, I think, I hope they handle it as a way of looking at mental illness because I, that that's very much the way I feel like they're setting it up to be. which even mental illness explains, but doesn't excuse is my point. Right. Exactly. Point. Exactly. But then, but then like, it's, it's kind of like Hayward's approach to her versus Monica's approach to her. Well, Hayward wants to yeah remove the problem. Right. And Monica wants to work through the problem and not saying that she doesn't have consequences, but she's, She's got to be part of the solution. Like it is, it is like a doctor diagnosing an illness. Right, right. I look at Thor's reaction to his grief and how he worked through it, and I'm looking at Monica's reaction to grief, and I'm like, "Girl, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's other ways. Like, yes, you're, you know, you're you you're experienced trauma, but you know, and so I think that's where where Thor's you know, the story thus far has been one of like, we're rooting for him. I think for Wanda, I just feel like this last episode is, is going to man. She's going to pay a huge cost for what she's done. Well, I think she's going to lose her ch- children. I right. think that's what the cost is going to be. You, she's going to, she's going to lose her children. Right. That's I, so I have that as a note too, because I agree with you. I think she's losing the kids in the finale. Um, my question is, when do they age up for new Avengers? Um, after, after the Dr. Strange movie, like the Dr. Strange movie is going to be her rescuing her kids from another dimension. That was another note that I had. Okay, man, we're still <laughs> on the same page. Okay. This is great. And, well, and here's the thing. I, I do think, I think with the reckoning you're going to have at the end of all of this is, Everybody she's taken over, when the visions popped them out of it, they've they have experienced her pain and trauma while they're under her control. Oh, I don't know about that. No, that's I mean that's that's what he said. Like so much sadness, so much grief, so much like the, all every time they get pulled out, they talk about the kind of feeling the same feelings that she like like she's she's emitting those those feelings and emotions i feel like i don't know man i feel like if somebody took control of my body like that that's a traumatic thing and i think i would be freaking out and feeling those feelings my own feelings like these are people that have their own feelings and have been robbed of their agency i don't like the idea that it's just wanda's grief that they're experiencing they have all their own grief as well like i don't want to take that oh 
They they do, but I think the traumatic thing that they are going through is not just being controlled, <laughs> but but that that feeling of like it's this oppressive grief that's kind of thrown over them like a blanket. So yes, they they've got their own trauma, but I feel like they are experiencing what she's experiencing, mm. and I do think that in the God, that's even worse. Like, yeah, well, and I don't think that it's I don't think it's going to be okay. But I don't think it's going to be run her out of town. I think they're obviously not going to want her to stick around. Hmm. But I don't think, like, I think I'll, I'll, I think some of them will be, we get it. We understand. Still not okay. I just think if we're going to give Wonder Woman 84 shit for how, how, how uh, um, Chris Pine's character came back, Steve Trevor came back and, and inhabited that poor guy's body. You know, if we're if we're gonna give them shit for that, I think we need to give Wanda shit for and you know for for what she's done to this ta- this innocent town of people that you know she, she's she's created all this trauma for. Oh yeah, well again, I, uh, yes, trauma, but <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't uh, se- sexual escapades involved in Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like a thousand more people. And including it's true. kids. It's true. <laughs> so It's true. You know, I just, it's funny because I was totally 100% empathizing with Wanda's uh, point of view at the end of the episode. And then in my research and kind of social media digging afterwards, because Twitter just has all the best, all the best takes. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, Someone that I follow, um, who is a, uh, she's a, a, a writer and I mean, she does everything. She's an artist, writer, um, musician, activist. Um, she, uh, she goes by bad Dominicana on Twitter. And if you follow me, I've, I've, you've seen that I retweet a bunch of her stuff, but I loved her take, which is. She said, wow, this, this is very much fragile white womanhood. We're supposed to feel sympathy for Wanda while she's basically taking thousands of people hostage and controls them like puppets because she feels bad. It's giving colonizer. And I was like, whoa. Wow. Whoa. Hey, now. I, that, that, is, that is a take. <laughs> I, and I, it's a take that I love. It's a take that is, that is unapologetic. It is a take that is not concerned with white feelings you know it's a take it's it's a i think it's something i didn't go there but i think i forget that people everyone brings their experiences to to these stories yeah and so man i i loved sitting with that for the rest of the day because it just made me Mm -hmm. consider things that you know, given what the story, where the story was going and, and where I placed myself in the story, it just gave me a whole other place to occupy. And I think about the whole story and I was like, dang, this is why I love the people that I follow. And like, they just give. Yeah, no, I, I, that is, that is a perspective that, that I think has not been put forth in anything that I've seen. And that is a very valid point of view. Yeah. So, so, uh, 
I was really excited to to come across that and retweet it and go, whoa, this, like, this is what a take this is. I'm living for it. And and honestly, the more perspectives like this that we could get that we normally wouldn't be thinking of on our own. You know what I mean? Like just right. for me, it honestly has served to to deepen this whole story for me. Uh, and the importance of Monica Rambo's presence in this story. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh my God. It's just. Can, can we talk about Monica for a while? And she was not in this episode, which was sad. There was, I was I sad it. about that, especially after how we left last episode where it was like her big, like origin sort of. Yeah. Well, I think they, they do kind of flip back and forth a little bit between one's more about Wanda, one's more about Monica, at least in these last few episodes. But I, I did watch the interview you sent me mm-hmm. with um, Fiona Paris. Yeah. And I love her. She's great. Isn't she great? I just want to be her friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, she She's so excited about this role and she's talking about, and, and we've seen this and we've talked about it over and over, Ray, when she gets to talking about representation it's the only time in the interview that she even starts to kind of like you could tell she wants to to break to to choke up a little bit. Yeah, but she she, she you know she's being she keeps it professional, but you can tell she's kind of tearing up a little bit. And and it's like this is why I was so excited when they announced that she was going to be in WandaVision. and it's so exciting that. She is actually like Monica Rambeau is actually going to get the treatment that her character deserves. And I think she's going to get better treatment in this, in this Marvel universe than in the comics because she keeps getting forgotten in the comics. Mm -hmm. But here she's being like the character leader first black woman to lead the Avengers. Probably only, I don't think anybody else has. Um, But uh they they are giving this character the full development. She's not a side character. She's not mm-hmm. a footnote. Mm-hmm. And and she very much is going in there. Like you brought up Thor's trauma. You brought up her trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see how all of these characters, mm-hmm. we always look at as them as heroes. Like they're the people that mm-hmm. easily get through all these problems. Right. And and the goodest parts of the story is no. The, the adventures they're going on are are dealing with their trauma. Shit, you could even extend that to Marvel villains. Yeah. You know, there's always some seed of humanity there that is recognized in the stories as opposed to, you know, I'm here to take over the world, twist, twist mustache, you know? Yeah, because that could have been Thanos. I mean, that certainly was right. kind of what he was doing in the comic book. Right. But no, they they gave somebody a, an extremist view where yes. you know I'm trying to save the universe because people don't understand what I've gone through. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, it, it it does seem like Marvel's first order of business with you know post Infinity War saga was okay. We need to. In, we need to develop more voices in this in this universe that are not mm-hmm. coming from the initial, you know, stable of white male heroes from the 60s that we sort of had, you know, had to go with because that's where 
our comic book universe started. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've, it, hopefully they keep this going because for me, growing up with these comic books, I obviously I'm invested in these characters and I'm really enjoying these stories, but it's without something that I would much rather be included in there, <laughs> you know, which is, which mm-hmm. is a feeling like I'm a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember being so, um, so caught up in another character's, another Marvel character's origin story as I was with Monica's last week. Mm-hmm. I was also sad that she was not in this episode. My, my only note was we didn't see her in episode eight. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah it was a bummer. It was a bummer. Cause we still don't know where she went from, you know, being, um, uh, being confronted by Pietro in the stinger of last episode. Right. And she, we know Pietro is basically a puppet of, um, of Agatha. So, okay, so who's that's basically who's Pietro. I think he's just a guy. Like, I think, like, I think he's just somebody that is very possible that he's the witness. Like, it's just this person <laughs> that isn't needed for any other reason. And they've said, they've said the fact that he is Evan Peters is just meta. Yeah. It's just a meta joke. That's all it is. Here's my- it has nothing to do with combining <laughs> Fox properties. It is just meta. Yeah. And he's very proud of it. Right, right. Pietro is. No one. Here's my my list of like sort of uh, 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 raising the white flag. Pietro is no one. Uh, the missing witness is no one. We're never going to see the missing witness again or hear anything about that. Uh, the aerospace engineer was no one. We're never going to hear or see anything about that. Um, what else? There was another one in here somewhere. Uh, oh, and I hope we see Jimmy Woo again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're I, we're definitely going to see Jimmy Woo and Darcy in the in the finale. There's no way. There's no way they're not going to right we bring didn't them see in Darcy somehow. in episode eight either. It's funny. I came across a tweet that I retweeted the other day that had a picture of Randall Park and just said, "This guy's the most likable person in film right now." <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's hard um, hard not to like him. All right, so I'm going to go and undo all of your white flags. Um, <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that the witness is going to be Simon Williams. Uh, oh, I think, yeah. I think I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure at this point, and I'll, I'll tell you why when we get a little further in. Tell, but I'm pretty sure the witness. Tell is the Simon. people who Simon Williams is. He's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the witness is Simon Williams. Um, and I think that I will go a step further, and I say I will say that I think his being in the witness protection program has something to do with armor wars. Ooh. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where I would take it if I was writing this story. Um, I, so that, that is what were, what were the right flags? Pietro, Pietro is Pietro. Wait, <laughs> like, wait, I got that. What is Simon Williams connection to armor wars? The whole reason why he brought, uh, was brought into, um, the Avengers, was as a way to take them down. And the reason why he was willing to do that and to subject his body to the experiments that gave him his powers was because the only thing he had left in the world was um, his father's company. And it was bought out by Tony Stark. 
Oh, so and he so, doesn't like Tony Stark. Yeah, so in the comic books, he doesn't like Tony Stark, and he goes in and tries to um, tries to take down the Avengers. I forget who who gives him the powers. If it's Baron Zemo, yeah, or, I think it is Zemo. Yeah, somebody gives him powers to go take down the Avengers, but he is so warmly welcomed by them that when it comes time to portray him, he can't do it. Right, right. But so his connection to Armor Wars as a character would be that he has it out for Tony Stark who's dead already. No, I would just say, I would just say they would use the fact that he had this company and that maybe he knows that, that Stark technology is being used in wrong ways by other companies. Like there's going to be some sort of like Stark technologies connection. I don't Mm. think they're going to use the, I'm going to betray the Avengers story. Mm. Um, I think they're going to just, that's, they're just going to use that as his in into the universe. I am really excited to see how they connect all of these series because they're definitely doing that. Yes. And I'm really excited to see how WandaVision leads into the next series, which is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Keeping in mind that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to come first. Right. Right. Okay. What did you say? Pietro, you said that's a white flag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that that one I'll give you because that one I, I feel like I I feel like I won that one just by him not being from the Fox. Universe. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and what what else, what other white flags did you have? Aerospace engineer. Oh, I still think it's either somebody that we haven't like. I I think that I think it's still the the girl the the little girl scroll. Okay, question though, but is that going to be answered in the final episode or in a future thing? Um, I think we're going to get like a little flash of violet eyes in the last episode. Oh, see, I think they're not going to pick up that thread again until Captain Marvel 2. Oh, maybe. Uh, what about, um, <laughs> let's talk. Okay. We've covered the missing witness. We covered the aerospace engineer. Let's talk about Ralph. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> See, that's why I think, you know, you said that you didn't want some, like, big male, big bad coming in and yeah. and being influencing Agatha. Yeah. And and that's why – that's one of the reasons why I think there will be one. And I think it's going to be Ralph. But, again, I don't know that it's going to be as intrusive as we would think. Like, that, they're not controlling um, Agatha that they are – like her patron. Got it. Okay. Kind of like uh, Dormammu for um, the villain from Doctor Strange 1. Can't remember, I can't pronounce his name. Mordo? No, not Mordo. Mordo was set up in Doctor Strange, but the villain was played by Mads M- Milkinson. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it starts with an A or an E. I can, I can never pronounce his name correctly. Go back and watch that movie. Oh, I've seen it a few times. It's problematic as fuck, but I, I enjoy the story. <laughs> and I've, I've seen it a few times. Cassilius. I thought it started with an A, but it starts with a K. Cassilius is the character that is played by Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. And uh yeah, he's you know, he's trying to conjure um uh what's his name? The the the, the space guy whose face is like Dormammu. Dormammu, yeah, thank you. 
So, uh, yeah, God, Doctor Strange is. <laughs> I love Tilda Swinton, but why? Why is she playing the ancient one in this Asian country? <laughs> in this Asian culture? This, you know, in 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 this Asian, you know, uh, mythology and religion and stars <laughs> makes no sense. Do, do you think it was? Do you think it was? Do you think it was Marvel's way of trying not to? Like, like going the wrong way to solve an existing problem and trying not to make the ancient one a stereotype. Uh, I'm not saying it was successful or proper, but do you think is that that is a little bit of the motivation behind it? Maybe if I don't know, if anything, I could see Marvel saying, let's not make this character a white guy. Yes, let's make it a white woman. We're, we've solved the problem. <laughs> we did it. Like, that's as far as they go in terms of, like, you know, they're addressing the issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think they were trying to pull a Mandarin. I think they were trying to. This is a pl- problematic depiction of a character. Right, right. And, I, and they just went completely the wrong way with it. Yeah, that's that that could very well be as well. Uh, but regardless, uh, you know, despite despite myself, I, I do like uh, Doc, the Doctor Strange movie. I, it, I think it's very watchable, um, mm-hmm. and it's a cool little kind of self contained Marvel story, you know. Yeah. So uh, okay, so <laughs> Ralph, I uh, I I mean, at this point, we they cannot ignore Ralph. No. You know what's funny is I've seen some people say, is Ralph going to be um, Mephisto? Is Ralph going to be maybe an an amalgam of Mephisto and, Mephisto and Nightmare and Chathon? Like a mm-hmm. demon, you know, entity, mm-hmm. a, a an elder god that is mm-hmm. kind of a combination of all those characters, which Marvel tends to do when adapting characters to the MCU, right? Like what, what do we need to fill the purpose of this character? So let's pull from these different characters from the comics. Um, I saw someone suggest that it was Loki, that that was interesting. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got for Ralph. Honestly, I don't, Man, I I don't. Does she? Me- I think she mentions Ralph again in in this past episode at least once, right? I think so. I think so. I can't remember specifically where, but I feel like she's mentioned him every episode. Okay, so, um, I I, I want to put off the secret final episode cameo. Uh, we're kind of talking about it already, but there's a, a bunch of places the story could go that I want to put off for a second, just to make sure, um. Kevin Feige has said that the, right now there's no plans for a season two of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. The Mind Stone. Remember in the first Avengers movie, when, because the Mind Stone, which is yellow, is trapped or, or caged or housed inside the, um, the Tesseract, which is blue. And mm-hmm. that's always confused me. Is that right? Or is the Tesseract the Space Stone? Yeah, the Tesseract, I think, is the Space Stone. It's a completely different one because the the Mind Stone was inside the Sept- That's right. And that's blue. That's blue. So that always confused me. <laughs> Seems like they fucked that up, man. <laughs> that had a retcon it. But um, the, 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 the Scepter alters people's minds and thinking, right? 
Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. what affects Banner and and Tony and Steve and why they're arguing on the Avengers ship, right? Or or the the what's it called? Um, uh-huh, the uh, shield uh, helicarrier. Yeah. Um, it's also what is used to brainwash Hawkeye, right? Mm-hmm. So Loki touches his chest with the scepter. Hawkeye is suddenly, you know, brainwashed as is Dr. Whatever, the scientist guy from Thor, right? Yeah, solving or something like yeah, that. And they ask him and they both mention seeing something, seeing the future, seeing, seeing what it shows you. Mm-hmm. The Mind Stone shows you things. It gives you visions, right? Mm-hmm. So is that, is that what's happening to Wanda when she's exposed to the minds or to, to, to the, the, the Mind Stone by Hydra? Right, because then what they're saying is they're seeing her in her full Scarlet Witch form. Right. So is she seeing the future? Is she seeing an? Uh, I guess she wouldn't be seeing an alternate version of herself because she's a Nexus being. Hmm. Well, and they, they've pointed out that her costume that they are going to evolve her into, you see in the posters for right. WandaVision in two of the two of the um, TV screens. My first thought when I saw that was that it wasn't a silhouette of Wanda as a Scarlet Witch. It was a silhouette of Agatha's mom, the head witch from the beginning, because when she's using her power, she does develop some sort of crown. And so I thought, yes. oh, maybe that's Agatha's mom, but it does seem like she, Wanda really saw her future as the Scarlet Witch, which is still hella yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So I think that's really a neat tie-in to, to sort of what the Mind Stone has done to other characters in the MCU already. Yeah, because they do say that it has something to do with like visions and seeing the future right. and seeing... Yeah. So we, we meet Agatha's mom... We see where Agatha got her brooch from. Um, we see Agatha sort of drain the magic from the other nine witches, including her own mother, killing them. Which which we've seen from Baron Mordo. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So this is apparently a thing. This is a thing that, that magic users do. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Agatha plucks Wanda's hair. To uh, what does she do with it? She uses it to show her something or to create a re- uh, well. That's that's what starts the flashbacks. Like it's basically like her her lifeline, and that's what Doctor Strange does to Thor mm-hmm. at the beginning of Ragnarok, right? Because he wants yep. uh, he wants to find his father. He wants to find Odin. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Plucking the hair is a thing that we've seen before that that magicians do. Um, as far as Agatha's uh, uh, motivation. We agree that she's trying to bring someone back from the dead. Yes, I think so. Maybe it's her husband, Ralph. Maybe it's her husband, Ralph. Maybe it's a child. Right. Right. Yeah. Because she's, I mean, Agatha's this ancient, powerful witch being like, really? She, she fell in love with somebody, with some man. And like, that's what she's doing all this for. Yeah. I think a child, I could see that. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. you know, especially if she outaged her child. So, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we also see in the. You still think we're gonna get Nicholas Scratch, her son? 
I think they've made Nicholas Scratch a familiar, and that's the bunny. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of references that I thought were to like Thor, like the the nine circles on the mm-hmm. door, right? Mm-hmm. And isn't there like nine realms? Yes, and there's also, but there's also nine um, levels of hell in Dante's Inferno, right? And there were nine witches at the beginning. Mm-hmm. surrounding Agatha. Um, what else? There was a couple other. Oh, also the book in the dungeon had those same nine circles on the cover. Mm-hmm. Right. So some people were saying, oh, that's an Asgardian book. And it's like, no, that book is actually from the library and Dr. Strange. It's like, why can't it be both? Right. Right. Um, another right. thing was Thor's mom says that she was raised by witches. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, and I was, I honestly, I didn't put, I, originally when I saw the uh, Agatha's mom's crown, I was thinking an enchantress. Oh. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah. But Thor's mom was a witch and raised by witches. Mm-hmm. You know who else's mom is a powerful witch in the comics? Doctor Doom, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean, we've already said that. Like, like that's that's this this series has made me feel like you're correct in that Doctor Doom's going to be the big bad in this set of phases because there's a lot of technology with the armor wars and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of magic and what character in the Marvel universe brings those two together most prominently, and that's Doctor Doom. Yes, yeah. The witches are a thing in Marvel Comics. I didn't realize that until mm-hmm, I did all mm-hmm. this fucking research this week or these last few days. Yeah. Um, okay. So, jeez. Uh, God, we got to talk about vision, white vision, man. You want to talk about? Okay. So, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, white vision was a version of vision that was actually in the Marvel universe for quite a while. And it happened in West coast Avengers. And the, the situation was, is that the vision was destroyed and they reassembled him, but it was basically like his memory was wiped. And so he didn't have any memory of being with, in a relationship with Wanda. He didn't have any memory of his time with Avengers, which kind of is what we've already had set up with this new version of the, the you know the vision that that Wanda created. So he's like a MacBook fresh from the Apple Store. Yeah, he he's been he's been reformatted. Got it. So he's he's an empty vessel, and what I think is going to happen, and this is why I think Simon Williams is going to be the witness, is because I think we're going to end this series with Wanda getting vision back in the Avengers. Like he's, he's now, you know, a fully functioning synthetic being, but since he has no background with her and, and you, and the way he's presented in the comics is the white vision is kind of doesn't have the empathy and the humanity that the vision has. It's called spectral vision in the comics. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be able to connect with Wanda as like the version of the vision that we're used to is dead and not coming back. Oh, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. 
is that you're going to have this white vision that they may keep around because Paul Bettany is awesome. And I, I don't want them to not have the vision in there. I think, I think there's, there's too many stories that can be still, still be told. Right. Um, but that opens the door for her to connect with Simon Williams. She's with Simon Williams as well. Right. In the comics. Yes. And in fact, in the comics, the visions, like instead of being kind of imprinted with Jarvis's personality, mm-hmm. He, he was implanted with Simon Williams' personnel mm-hmm. from the get-go. So the two of them have always been like brother, like they, they consider themselves brothers. Got it. And the whole reason was because Simon Williams was Wonder Man and DC was like, well, we have Wonder Woman. You can't do that. And then they tried to do um, – they tried to do somebody else like Marvel Boy or something mm-hmm. like that. And they're like, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if you want that character, we get back Wonder Man. And they're like, sure, fine. Right. But that entire time, Wonder Man was in coma. And so right. they used his personality in the video. They probably did Captain Marvel. Um, DC had yes, I think it was yeah, I think it was Captain. Yeah, Mark. they had to change the name of the comic book to Shazam. Mm-hmm. So okay, so then I I like you know I I've seen this theory of of Vision being brought back to life, and I haven't liked it until the way you just described it now. Yeah, because I we're not going to have an I don't think we're going to have a happy ending for Wanda. No, no. I don't I don't think we're going to have a happy ending for Wanda because then there's no reason for us to go into um the the Doctor Strange. So um another thing is that Vision up until this point Vision is powered by the Mind Stone by an Infinity Stone. And that's mm-hmm. gone. That's been destroyed. So if we wanted to bring mm-hmm. Vision back, there'd be no way to do it unless he was powered in some other way. And now we know that he's got a mini Stark reactor in his forehead. He's got a mini Stark reactor and it was activated with chaos. Energy. Exactly. Exactly. So those two things together are how this new white vision exists. Um, how do you, do you think they're going to connect Simon Williams to this white vision at some point? Because um, the- I do, I, I think at some point there's going to be a, I, I do think, and if you had ever asked me if they would do this in the movies, I would have said you're friggin' nuts. <laughs> but I, I do think the Simon Williams vision Wanda love triangle is going to be a thing. Right, right. And then if Simon Williams dies, his, he can, his, his spirit or whatever can be downloaded into the white vision. Right. So, the vision that we've been experiencing thus far in the hex, he's totally made up by Wanda. Yeah. Um, but she's able to create tangible reality through her chaos magic. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he doesn't exist. He exists. He exists. He's just totally been brought back by Wanda. Yeah. It's not the, he's not the same. It's not the, his body. It's not his, like mm-hmm. he doesn't have the, an actual mind stone. I don't think. Right. Like, and I think that's why the white vision is not going to be um, able to connect with Wanda on an emotional level because they don't have that influence of the the mind. And the one she does have that connection with, he's gonna he's gonna be gone next episode. Oh yeah, there's no way he's sur- there's no way he's gonna survive yeah. this. I mean, um, uh, Tiona Paris has said that the the finale is a tearjerker. Yeah. 
So I'm 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 expecting her to lose her kids. I'm expecting her to lose vision. I'm expect I mean we're like we're gonna be emotionally exhausted by the end of this. <laughs> Yay, just what I love my media to do to me, actually. It's true. I'm not even being sarcastic. I really do. Um so okay. Look how are we doing on time here? Um I I do have about fifteen more minutes before I have to go because I've got another podcast at eleven and it requires video and I have not chatted. Okay. This is the last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was basically what, what is going to, what is, do you think is going to have, what are your predictions for the final episode, especially the secret cameo that Paul Bettany has been hinting at for a while? Um, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Dr. Strange stepping in and, you know, explain like I think I think they're gonna defeat Agatha on their own. I think they're gonna be the ones that that defeat Agatha. I think who's they? I think it's gonna be Wanda and Vision defeat Agatha and Monica defeats Hayward. What's his face? Hayward. Yeah, Hayward. Okay. Um and in fact, I mean they might just defeat both of them. But I do think that I mean, obviously, Wanda and the Vision are probably going to have to go after um, Hayward at some point in this too. But I think at the end, um, she's going to be completely spent. She's not going to have any. She's going to have lost the kids, lost Vision, not know what to do, and Doctor Strange is going to show up and go, "I've got a way for you to move forward." Right, right. My, I have a list for a secret final episode cameo. From the le- from the least likely to the most likely, I have Loki. Yeah, he's my he's my only other option if it's not Doctor. To Strange. me, that's the least likely. I have okay. I have Mordo. Okay, a little more likely than Loki. Uh, I have Mephisto. Mm-hmm. By the way, I do have a note about Mephisto. There were a lot of rumors going around at the beginning of this show when when people started to speculate about who the cameo could be that Paul Bettany has said he always wanted to work with. And some people were guessing that it would be Dick Van Dyke. Oh, how funny. And I thought it was so funny that we saw clips from the Dick Van Dyke show. And I thought, wow, what if they got old man Dick Van Dyke to play Mephisto? <laughs> well, you know, I've I've heard I've heard a a not so unrealistic theory that the person he was talking about is himself. Right. That was my next name on my list <laughs> is Paul Bettany. <laughs> is Which is vision, funny. Right. And so he's talking about himself, the person he's always wanted to work with. Which see, this is this is what Marvel can do, is that even if we've been trolled this entire time, somehow it's still satisfying. <laughs> Yes, I would be so ha- like I would I would not be upset if they were if they go back and be like who was this who was the the guest star well it was me yeah <laughs> don't you think I'm good enough to be like that excited yeah exactly and then of course my most likely is is Doctor Strange uh, and and it has been pointing out that technically Paul Bettany and and Benedict Cumberbatch have not actually shared screen time together so far uh, in their oh. careers so uh, yeah this oh, man. It's so funny because same thing. I feel like same thing happened uh, before the last episode of Star Wars. Same thing happened before in between uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where fandom collectively goes apeshit 
and comes up with all these ideas and pours over all these clues and hints and and just speculates all these story possibilities, a lot of which are actually really cool and totally plausible. And then we end up being wrong for the most part. We still have a great fucking time. And do I do we learn our lesson before uh, for the next one? No, we do not. Absolutely at all. No, absolutely because this is the fun part of yeah. it is trying to figure out what's going on. Totally. And and it's and it's funny because you know we we think like we have created the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I, I this is totally off the beaten path, but we've created the narrative that Marvel will do things specifically to throw us off. And one of the things that people point to is the fact that in all of the promotional stills leading up to Infinity War, we saw the Hulk running with all of the heroes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you saw that they've released like a bunch of deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Originally, Smart Hulk was going to happen at the end of Infinity War. And that was Smart Hulk. Right, running with them, like they had already planned that, and and the decision was made that that is too quick of a, a reconciliation between Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and it was much more important that he had those five years between the movies to reintegrate those two personalities. Mm-hmm. But it's not that they were like, oh, we're just going to put this in here. It's like, oh, we already have the footage. We're just going to release it because you know we can. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fascinating to see how all of this ends up being put together and manipulated and changed. And yeah, Mar- Marvel is very aware of itself in the best way. Yes. And we get to benefit from that. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> well, anything else? I mean, are we all ready for the, for the big finale? Oh, how are they going to – I'm really looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's just, there's no way they can replicate what, what WandaVision has become where it is. Right. It's so amazing. Well, I think they're going to do it in other ways. Like we're, we're going to still be having this, like, so do you think it's that person? Cause all of these seem to be mysteries. Like, I feel like this is an action buddy movie, but there's some sort of mystery they're going to be trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And Loki's whole thing is problem solving this nexus. Stuff. Oh God. So we're going to have plenty of opportunities to be like, well, then I think this is going to happen. And then maybe this person's going to show up and maybe this is how they're going to handle yeah. that. So I don't see us. I don't see us wanting for these kind of conversations anytime soon. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Cool. Uh, shout outs. Shout outs. I'm going to shout out to Matt, Nolan, and Lyle who have been talking on Geekitude on uh, on the, our Slack channel. And uh, Matt posted yesterday, and I didn't see it until this morning. But he said, "Okay, I'm going to need you all to go ahead and record ASAP." <laughs> I have so many thoughts and even more questions. Dude, ask the questions. We will totally answer questions if we can. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do our best. Yeah. But yeah, if you have questions, comments, throw them in there. We'll talk about them on the show. You know, last week, as we were recording our episode, Eman dropped his new video, and I was so salty about it because I love his takes, and I love including them in our uh, podcasts. And of course, as soon as we finished, I looked at YouTube, and I'm like, shit. There it is. Uh, and, and it just leads to all kinds of theories and ideas that I want to share during the week. And I'm like, God damn it. I have to wait until after the next episode, you know, and, and we're going to talk about it then. So yeah, during the week, if, if you 
want to chat or brainstorm or whatever, uh, shoot, hit me on Twitter. Like I'm, I'm there reading about WandaVision the whole week. Yeah. And uh, also, since we're talking about sharing stuff with us, remember, we've got now, I think, 12 episodes left until episode 200. And we want ideas. What do you guys want mm-hmm. us to do? Because we're excited about it. Yeah. So let us know. Uh, I've got a shout out. Um, someone I referenced in this episode, Bad Dominicana. Her name is Zahira Kelly. Uh, she On her website, she describes herself as an Afro-Dominicana mommy, writer, DJ, singer-songwriter, visual artist, social media personality, mujerista award-winning social cultural critic and international speaker known for advocating for Latinegra visibility and rights on social media and unfiltered social critique broken down in accessible language. Amen to that. That is exactly what she <laughs> provides. Uh, she's one of my favorite follows. Uh, it, it, there's more to her take on WandaVision that I retweeted that you can find on Twitter. So definitely check her out uh, and give her a follow. Awesome. Very cool. Um, next week we are talking. We're we're continuing talking about Wandavision, and we are going to be going all out. And are I am I am fully blocking off my Sunday morning. Yes, <laughs> 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 I have a feeling that this is going to be a long one, folks. Oh wow! No kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what is in store for you next week. Uh, all this music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Dude is a proud member of Geek2Geek Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek Podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, My HGTV Addiction, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, and sometimes Rob. And of course, um, make sure to check out our newest podcast, As the Dice Roll, which I'm going to be recording a new episode of in 20 minutes. Lord. Also, check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J and Bamashox, and make sure to join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, you can go to my website to check out my artwork at rayvargas3.com. It's Ray Vargas and then number three. And I'm, I'm at that same username across social media, Facebook, Instagram. And these days, I pretty much live on Twitter at rayvargas3. So if you want to find me, you can find me there. Yeah, guys, keep the conversation going because mm-hmm. we love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we might I, – I know Ray is a lot better at getting on it the social media than I am, but he will send me a little message and be like, Hey dude, we've got a, we got a conversation going here. Jump in. Yeah. So, um, you know, just let us know. We love talking about this and it, it gets us through our work. Yes. <laughs> and as we record these, uh, takes or, or these reviews pretty soon after the episode comes out, it's barely, it's 48 hours basically. And as the week goes on there, there's more and more reactions that are out there. So if you see something new that, you know, we, we didn't cover. We want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you all for listening this week. Ray, pleasure as always. Yeah, yeah. Another week before we can share things. It's very frustrating. <laughs> totally. Um, but until next time, remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs>